All right, everyone. Welcome to the newest episode of the Jay Davis Show. I'm super excited to have uh, Mike Abadie here with us. He is the co-founder and CEO of Sunday Citizen. Thanks for coming on the show, Mike. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for having me. Excited. Yeah. Well, why don't you start by giving everyone uh, just a quick bio of what you've been up to the last couple of years? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so yeah, you know, my career started off in finance. You know, I started doing investment banking, uh, focusing on mergers and acquisitions. Uh, I worked in New York for a couple of years. Uh, it, it spent some time in Lehman Brothers, which then sort of became Barclays Capital. So I was there through very exciting times. Um, yeah, and, to say and the least. Was, yeah, yeah. And uh, and yeah, and then I, I ended up spending some time in the finance world, which for me, I always saw it as a, as a learning experience. Like I always went into it thinking this is going to be like my MBA, uh, not really wanting to make a career out of it. And I think it was great. You know, I think you'll learn a ton, but very quickly I realized that if I'm going to be working this hard, might as well be for something that I'm building myself, you know? So, so I ended up leaving uh, pretty early on um, and, you know, started off a, 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 as, as an entrepreneur. Um, I had uh, several ventures. A lot of them didn't work out. Um, and, you know, like a lot of people can probably relate to that until I finally had my first sort of win with a company called a Hyvent Colony where we did uh, tailor-made suits, you know? So I had, yeah. you know, coming out of the, uh, coming out of the uh, banking world, you know, everybody needs suits, everybody needs shirts. So I, 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 I cut, created this company where we would do tailor-made suits uh, and we would work out of a, a, a retrofitted FedEx van and we would drive around Manhattan. People would come down from the buildings we had a 3D scanner inside the truck and, you know, it was pretty nice inside. You know, we gave them an espresso or a little whiskey. They would, you know, they got a chance to touch the fabrics and everything. And uh, we would get them scanned. And two weeks later, they would receive the suit straight in their door. Um, tailored made, great fit for a fraction of the price of what a Brooks Brothers suit would cost, you know. So um, yeah, that, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. We got a ton of press coverage. It was like very exciting. But at the end of the day, we were like very vulnerable to outside factors determining our sales, right? Like if it was a rainy day, you didn't sell that day. It was too cold, too hot, you didn't sell, right? So that, that, that whole tailored truck uh, idea had was very inconsistent. So we ended up uh, partnering with, a, with some financial backers and we ended up opening um, our first brick and mortar store for the brand. Um, and we opened the first store in Boston. Uh, so, so we migrated from the Taylor truck into a full brick and mortar store in a shopping mall. And it was great. You know, it was great. Um, uh, we, we started to, to grow very quickly. Um, at that time, I started having a lot of problems with my business partner. He ended up kicking me out of the business. Uh, and, you know, problem with, 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 uh, partners. No. So I, yeah. I ended up, I ended Everyone up has a story. Everybody it's, it's, it's they're worse than yeah. divorce stories. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so, so yeah, you know, I, I, I was left a, I was left without the business, but 
you know, during that time when I was doing a, that suit business, um, when I started it, the very early days, I was actually, I actually moved to Shanghai to develop the whole production, you know, because we were doing, you know, we, we had to set up our own office because this was like individual orders. Each order was yeah. different to the other. So it was quite a complex operation from a production point of view. And I spent two years in, in China during that time. Um, and during this time, I used to get a, a bunch of phone calls like, Hey, Mike, you know, since you're in Shanghai, can you help me source this product? Since you're in Shanghai, can you help source that product? Right. So I sort of started this like site business of, of just doing sourcing for different brands. Um, and, and, and that, that sort of took life in its own. Like that started to get quite a bit of momentum. And I sort of had it like on, on the back burner. And one of my clients was, uh, a hotel, a hotel owner based in Miami. And this guy had very high end boutique hotels and he wanted a blanket for his hotels that had to be extremely soft, but at the same time being able to withstand the wear and tear of hotel use, right? Like washing, yeah. et cetera. And this is a guy who's extremely, extremely fabric centric. Like he's obsessed with softness and everything in his life. And for his hotels, he wanted to bring that same softness to his, uh, to his guests. So, so we embarked in a sourcing project for him at that time, specifically for his hotels. Um, and we came up with a very nice blanket. This is a blanket that was an instant success. Uh, we, we, all the guests at the hotel would want to buy it after they would check out. So we actually started selling those blankets in the hotel lobby. Um, and we started to get a lot of very positive feedback, but during all this time, we were still, I was still focused on the suit business. So this was sort of like a side, side little business. Um, so when I exited the hiving colony business, which by the way, still operating today, I think they're up to like 10 stores nowadays. Um, so, so they grew quite a bit. And so, oh, so when awesome. I exited, yeah. Um, so when I exited that business, um, the, we, we knew we had a great product with these blankets, you know, and, and th there was a ton of potential that we were not taking advantage. So we, we reached out to this hotel owner, his name is Michael. And he, we said, Hey, let's partner and bring this blanket to market. You know, um, my wife. Her background was also in branding and marketing. You know, she used to be the C CMO for one of the big telehealth companies in, in Latin America. And um, so she had that background. And so, so we decided to partner with, with a Michael and his brother. Uh, and, and, and that's when Sunday Citizen was born. So, so when we started off, we literally started off with the same blankets that we had sold in the, in the hotel. Um, yeah. At that time, my wife and I, and we had two kids at that time, two babies. We moved back to Shanghai. We, 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 we moved there for another two years. Um, oh, and, and we really started developing product in a very, very accelerated pace. This was like 2018 and 2019. Um, my background, my whole family has been in textiles for four generations. You know, my great grandfather was in textiles. Um, my father is actually a textile engineer, one of the few textile engineers that are left in this country. Uh, and he, he started helping us a, a lot on getting into the very technical aspects of, of fabrics, yarns and product. 
So, so we started really getting into accelerated product development um, it, for more betting products. For every single product that we developed had to maintain that original value proposition of extreme softness and uh, easy care washability. So, so yeah. we started developing product very quickly, but with two, those two guidelines in place. And, and we started growing in, you know, beyond the original blanket. And we went into a bed sheets, comforters, pillows. We got into loungewear. Um, and like I said, we, for all of this, we were in China because it wasn't like we were going to a factory and saying, Hey, show us your catalog. We want to place an order, but yeah. we, we, we were really co-developing product together with the factories. We were getting into the, all the way from the yarn to the fabrics, to the finished product. Like we were really developing things ourselves and just choosing the right factories for every step of the process. So, so it was a very, very, uh, a intense process where it needed us there, but we were lucky because it allowed us to really, really expand our line very quickly. Um, then in January of 2020, we take, uh, it was right before Chinese New Year, you know, so Chinese New Year, the whole China shuts off. So we decided to take a vacation. This was January of 2020. Uh, so we go on a su supposedly three week vacation. Uh, we had a wedding in Costa Rica. So we went to Costa Rica supposedly for three weeks and boom, COVID hits, you know? So we, we were not oh able. Gosh. We were not able to go back to China. You know, we had our whole apartment there. We just had to send somebody from, from our office to literally pack up our things and put them into boxes. Uh, and we were stuck in Costa Rica because the Costa Rican airports were also closed. So, so we were stuck there literally with what we had in to carry on a, a, a bags that we had with us at the time. So, so, oh so we God. were all of 2020 in Costa Rica, which to tell you the truth, we were very lucky. Very lucky that we were not in China during all of that time, and it was it was yeah. a good place to to spend COVID in. Uh, but but yeah, like I said, we 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 were lucky because we had already done a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of product development. We had already set up a very very good office, a great team in China uh, that weathered us through all these storms of logistics and production that that started to brew because of COVID. Um, and and yeah, you know, in general we found ourselves in a very lucky situation where we had a lot of product that was catering perfectly for the, for those, for that COVID environment, you know? So, so, so yeah, that's basically, uh, what got us into this, say uh, where we are right now. Yeah, dude, that's crazy. I mean, I have so many questions just around like, <laughs> how did you, did you guys just go out and like find an apartment? Like, what did you do in Costa Rica? How did you find a place? Yeah, I mean, we were we, we were actually extremely lucky because the the, the 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 you know Costa Rica is a tourism country. You know, they rely on tourism yeah. so much. Uh, so so we were, and, and all of a sudden, tourism is completely shut off. So everything became extremely cheap. You know, so so yeah. we were able to get these like a beautiful villa in in, in like this like beach town in 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 Costa Rica for a fraction of what I was paying for my Shanghai apartment. You know, Shanghai, it's sort of like New York where you get like these very expensive, tiny and old apartments, you know, so I was able to yeah. replace that for a 
a, a, a nice villa in the beach <laughs> for a fraction of the price. It's <laughs> a pretty good trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we didn't complain. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Well, I think yeah. that's one of the questions. I, I love that you guys have developed that expertise. And I think it's something that a lot of entrepreneurs run into where a lot of times those first versions or even even the first version, but a lot of times they are going out and they're sourcing more off the shelf kind of materials. So it's, you know, what fabrics do you have? Or even if you're doing other, you know, even molded things like what plastic is available. And then over time you start to try and innovate more. You try and kind of push those boundaries as someone does that. What is your recommendation? Cause I think everyone has a different opinion, but um, what would your recommendation be for a, for a company who has found success, they're doing well, but now they're trying to kind of up their game. Do they need to go find someone in China? Should they go to China? Like what would be your recommendation be? Yeah. So here, this is something where really my, like my business partner says, like you always have to stay ahead of your competition through product innovation, because at the end of the day, if you're selling a commodity, then all your marketing efforts become very difficult, right? Um, it's 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 a lot easier, you know, especially in this environment. Like I I I feel that let's say two three years ago, post iOS and everything, uh, you were able to have a successful e-commerce business uh, almost like through just customer acquisition arbitrage, right? Yeah. Where you yeah. you could buy just buy customers cheaply. You had enough margin and that, that was enough to make a business, right? But as, as the acquisition yep. becomes more and more expensive, uh, it be- having the right product becomes imperative, not only important, but it becomes a matter of survival because there's two things, right? Like you have to have a unique value proposition. And at the same time, you need a product that keeps people coming back to you, right? Like I, I yeah. think that we, we really recently got a, you know, these benchmarks from, from Shopify, where we're like at the top 10% of, of, of brands in Shopify in our category in terms of retention. And, and I think the only reason that we have such a high retention is because our product is truly unique. It's, it's, it's truly a special product, right? So with yeah. that in mind, you can be a lot, you know, you can afford to pay more on the acquisition. You can afford higher CPMs. You can afford all this all these headwinds uh, that we're seeing on the acquisition and marketing side, uh, just because you have that uh, LTV expansion that you know you can count yeah. on just because of having great product, right? Uh, and also just word of mouth, like all these things really, really become imperative in this environment uh, where you can't rely just on cheap acquisition to make your business grow, no? Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's so true. And I think that's a lot of the companies that are still succeeding, even in these more difficult times. Like you said, it's become a lot harder to acquire customers. And now all of a sudden we're kind of filtering out or sifting out a lot of the companies that just didn't do that, where they just are kind of selling the same products as everyone else. They don't really have any real true branding or uniqueness there. So I think, I think it's a really huge difficulty for a group that that does have some of that innovation um like if they came to you asking for advice would you would you tell them or or a brand new company even who's like trying to innovate uh do you think they need to have a product person in-house or is that something you can outsource 
Um, how would you kind of approach that? Yeah, look, I think that in terms of, you know, like, I, I, you know, for me, it was having that experience of being in China was super valuable because first of all, yeah. I had a lot of resources that helped me. And, and, and you realize that, you know, China, I'll go into the cons of China later, but I think from, 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 uh, on the pro side first, like China is really a place where you can go and any idea that you have, make it a reality for in, in very reasonable terms, you know, like Chinese factories yeah. um, are surprisingly good at, you know, running with you on an idea, right? Like, it's not like you have to have a huge PO for them to actually uh, help you out on, on get, getting something you developed, you know, like you, you, you spend some time there, uh, working with them and, 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 and really brainstorming on, on how to come up with a final product. Um, I do think it's very valuable to have some type of Chinese, either it's a sourcing agent or, 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 or an employee that's working for you in China because you, you need somebody there, you know, the more, the more yeah. time I spend in China, the more I realized how difficult it is to work with them and, and, and having somebody that and understands not only the language, but the culture, the, the all, everything that, that, that implies working with China, they, you really need somebody local on your team, you know, whether yeah. it's hired or as a sourcing agency, uh, but somebody that's really making you, helping you there, no? Um, but and and then and then yeah and, and then China really has what, what what happens with China is you have these ecosystems that are developed um, in in cities right so so for example you know just to give you an example like for ties right like you really like there, there's one city in China that produces I think it's like ninety five percent of the world's Thai production it's crazy and it's all in one city yeah. right and so so this yeah. city you have. As you start approaching the city, you know, like you're approaching it, but it's like bullet train going at 500 kilometers per hour, zooming into the city. You start first to see like all the, uh, all the silk farms surrounding oh, the city. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And then as you come into the city center, you have like Thai factory after Thai factory after Thai factory. And next to the Thai factory, you have the, a label factory that makes labels for the ties and then you have a factory that does the boxes for the ties and then you have and the, 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 and, yeah. the you know and it's all this like ecosystem that's very yeah. easy to work in you know so you go there and you realize that hey i can really develop whatever i want because i have all these resources you know whether it's a box a label or the actual tie and i can make it very efficiently um so 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 to get started Spending some time in China, I think for most products, it's it you 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 realize how fast you can progress. You know, for me, it's been three years that I haven't been able to go to China because of COVID, and you feel the handicap. You know, yeah. um, however, as you start to expand, it's it, it it can be very dangerous to rely so much in China, especially given the current um, geopolitical situation, etc. Like. You want to make sure you're not, you know, I think most brands are too dependent on China. So, yeah. so, so for us, for example, we've already made a lot of effort into diversifying our production into Mexico, into Europe, you know, so we're doing right now a lot in Europe, a, you know, Portugal and Turkey, we're doing a lot in Mexico as well. So 
So right now, we're, we, we're past that initial phase of doing everything in China, which is the best place to start, really. And now just having that redundancy in all these other countries, just in case yeah. things become difficult, you know? Yeah. No, it's re- uh, we've been doing so- a lot of the same. And it is as you go into those con- other countries, it makes you realize how dialed in China is. I mean, they yeah. just have the technology, the communication, the automation, even just more like the work ethic yeah. in a factory level. Not to say that it, the Mexico is not like that, but like, man, Chinese people are just, you know, you, you yeah. talk to the factory owners and they're like, we're struggling in Mexico with making sure everyone's here and on time and all those things. And in China, it's like all dialed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all dialed. Incredible. They work whatever hours you need them to work. They, you know, yeah. it's not like working with European factories where forget about placing an order in August because they're all in vacation, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's a different and, world. And, and the the quantities, right? Like if you go to China, you can really produce. You know, if you're starting up or if you want to test out a product, you know, they'll they'll accept the 100 pieces of this, 50 pieces. You know, they 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 will work with yeah. you on that, right? Whereas if you go with all these other factories uh, in other countries, you know, if you don't have a 10,000 order, they'll, they'll like, you know, they won't even yeah, they consider. Don't yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. What, what do you think you've learned that's been most unexpected as you've gained all this? I mean, you've been over there for two different periods. You took your family there. Like, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, what have you learned that you were shocked by or surprised by? Yeah, look, I think it's a fascinating country. Like every day you would, you know, you would be shocked one way or another. Like every day <laughs> yeah. you, ex- you, 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 you had one out of your box experience, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah. So, so I think I, I, it, in a way I was a, I, I think, I think that the more time I spent there, the more I realized how complex and diverse China is, yeah, you know, you go there with a set of expectations of like, you have one China in your mind. And when you get there, you realized how, how different, you know, so just working with a factory from one region is a complete different experience than working with a factory from another region, just the culture, the, the, the way they work, the way they do things. It's, it's that for me was a, a, a steep learning experience. How how diverse yeah. how diverse China really is. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard for us, uh, but you go to countries. I spent time in Brazil and Brazil, northern Brazil versus southern Brazil versus you know the right. coast is wildly different, different places, wildly, and it feels yeah. almost like a different country. So yeah, 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 that's awesome. What what advice would you give to entrepreneurs who or or what? challenge do you think entrepreneurs are facing that you feel like you've now been able to learn and what what advice would you give to entrepreneurs who are who are getting going to try they've found success but they're trying to hit that next level what do you think the biggest mistake or the thing that they need to do is uh that you see as you work with smaller companies yeah look i think for us um one of the most important thing is to make sure you're growing profitably I think that's yeah. that's something where a lot of brands, you know, we we got used to 
cheap acquisition, growth at all costs. And all of a sudden, when, when, when that, when that growth starts to, to, to face headwinds, um, having that profit focus instead of just uh, growth focus becomes super important. You know, like it just, you have to yeah. be ready to weather all types of storms, you know, um, you know, grow when you have the tailwinds, but, you know, being able to make sure you can withstand the storms as they come. So, so I think that's something where, where, you know, we were able to grow very aggressively, but at the same time, we realized how important it is to sometimes press the brakes a little bit and make sure you're growing with the right profitability in place, you know? So, yeah. so focusing on margins, focusing on your unit economics and back to a little bit of what I said before, like, I think making sure your business is from day one, it has to be a retention focused business, right? Where it is, because if you yeah. start off thinking I'm starting off an as an acquisition business, which eventually I'll turn, turn into a retention business that, that might not work out for you, you know? So I think it's very important that from the very beginning, you have retention as, as, as a key priority and making sure that, that, that people are coming back to you and that you're getting that LTV expansion and that, that part has to be very solid. Um, a, not just an afterthought. No. Yeah. No, I, I think that is such great advice. I think that's the, the shift that is always interesting. Anytime we go to one side of the, the, the kind of pendulum and, and you look at it and it becomes really easy to acquire. Everyone swings way far that way and often too far. And then it always comes back. It always <laughs> swings the other way. And all of a sudden, the people who can adapt the quickest are the ones who can survive. So, Yeah, and then, and then, and then another one, which for me, I've learned it the hard way, is choose your partners wisely. You know, going back to, yeah. you know, like... Eh, I can see the difference between the partnership that I have right now and the partnership that I had in my previous business. And again, the other business was successful, you know, like we, we had the right idea, we had the right concept, but the, 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 the partnership, uh, it was, was not the right one, you know? So I think yeah. you can have a great product, great idea, everything, but the, the, if you, if, if, the, if you're having, if you, the, the partnership is not the right one, you'll never make the business work, you know? So. I think that's something where I've learned it the hard way. It's, it's, it's like a marriage. You have to see it as a marriage, you know? Yeah. Um, like with the same scrutiny that you choose a wife, you have to choose your, your business partner. Yeah. When in reality, I feel like most of the time what people do is they're all sitting at lunch and they're like, hey, should we start a company together? Let's do it. And it's yeah, not yeah, that I, much thought and it, they don't think it out. Yeah, it's it's. Imagine if we got married, like with that <laughs> and level of 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 thought, you know. Yeah. It, it, so it's the same thing, and I think they again, I, I, I I've seen it a lot of times where you have great companies with a great potential, and it's a partnership that makes it makes it stumble. So yeah, it's not just the idea. I think I think that's the common. Uh, feeling a lot of times when people haven't started yet, they think the idea will carry them through the whole thing. And oh, you just need a great idea, and it's yeah, yeah, yeah. dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, what's what's next for you guys? What are you guys focusing on uh, coming up? Any new new and exciting things that you're you're pumped about? 
Um, so yeah, recently, recently, this was in November, we opened our first brick and mortar store, you know, so this took me back to my old brick and mortar do- days. Um, and yeah. we're, you know, it's still early to tell, but I think it's a very interesting uh, option for us to continue growing through, through retail locations. At the end of the day, our product is a very tactile product, right? People want to touch it, feel it before they yeah. buy it, right? So, um, we we are waiting to see, uh, first of all, how good of an acquisition channel it is for us. Also, how good of a channel it is for existing customers to re-engage with us through the store. You know, like we're starting to see a lot of our existing online customers coming into the store uh, for repurchases, etc. Uh, so, so I think that could be a very very exciting uh, area of growth for us. Um, we're also we've also been growing quite a bit in the wholesale front. You know, we recently onboarded with Bloomingdale's. Um, we're in the process of onboarding a couple of other big retailers, which I think will be complementary for the same reasons as, as a brick and mortar store, right? Where, you, 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 like at the end of the day, what we want to have is give people an opportunity to discover us in whatever way, whether it's through our online store, through our brick and mortar store, or through a wholesale partner but to discover that softness you know because once they discover it we know we have a, a loyal customer in our hands you know so um, i think those are all yeah. the exciting opportunities that we're working on um and and yeah we're actually in the process of a uh, raising some money uh so so we're pretty advanced a uh, with a with a group that i think could be great not just from the capital side but from a strategic side, I think it can be great to propel us to the next level because um, up until now, a, we've been self-funded, you know, so I think this is a great opportunity to yeah. to, to really take things up a notch. Um, not the easiest environment to be doing this, but I think we, we were lucky to find what will potentially be a very good partnership. Dude, that's amazing. That is, yeah, that's uh, no small task in, in these times. No, so. no. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. It was super fun learning from you. And uh, I was asking a lot of those questions more from my my uh, learning than probably anyone else. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate you having me.